from the Lord. Man, the Lord is so good. Let's just jump right in. Luke chapter 24, continuing with the resurrection and what it means, and what it means to look through the lens of Jesus Christ and everything that we do. What does it look like through Jesus in relationships? What does it look like through Jesus in work? What does it look like in Jesus through future? When you look at life through the resurrection of Christ, everything begins to change. So Luke chapter 24, here it is, the resurrection day. The ladies have gone to the tomb. The angels have declared that Jesus is alive, one of them. Jesus appears to, they come back, they tell the disciples. But some of them are struggling. Some of them are still wondering, God, what are you doing? Luke chapter 24. I want to start, actually I'm going to back up to verse 13. And I want to look at verse 13 and then get into it. So Luke chapter 24 Verse 13, we'll pick up in this narrative as a story as we go through. Now that same day, two of them, that's two of the disciples, were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. It is is west, northwest of Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. Verse 15. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that happened there in these days? What things? That is, Jesus asked them. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action, and speech before God, and all the people, and how our chief priests And leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb. And when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels and who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they didn't see. Let's pray. Lord, I I come to you and I just beg of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I just want to pray that over me. I want to pray that over us. That I do not come with wise and persuasive words, but that I come with a demonstration of the Spirit and a power. And Lord, what I've noticed, as I felt like you just kind of nudged me in the Spirit backstage before we came out, where you were just reminding me of the prophet Elisha, 
who got a double portion of the Holy Spirit that Elijah had. And Elisha had double the miracles recorded in Scripture than Elisha had. Elisha had more words, but Elisha had more works. So, Lord, maybe my words need to be fewer and your power be seen more. And that is my prayer, because every one of us in this room, our eyes are looking to you. So, Lord, I ask you, please forgive me of my sins, of my inadequacies, my weakness, my sins, all the things that I've done and haven't done, should have done, didn't do, could have done. Lord, I just pray right now that the blood of Jesus is so powerful within us because of your Holy Spirit is so alive and so real that we are never the same. Never, never, never. Lord, sometimes we are walking down a road and we don't know where you are. But the good news is, you know exactly where we are. And for that, we give you praise and honor and glory. And all the saints said what? All right, so here we go. So this is online at uh, Summit Church on Facebook. You can see the notes there off to the side on an added post. So if you want to go there, that's great. But I just want to give you a couple, a couple angles this morning, and I want you to see something, Lord willing, that the Holy Spirit would open up. And so if I had to put them in points to make it simple, let me just say this right here. Point number one is living through the resurrection of Jesus, we have clarity. Living through the resurrection of Jesus, we have clarity. Go back with me into verse 13. Now the same day, that's the resurrection day, first day of the week, Sunday, the same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus. Sometimes, it's just interesting to me, uh, I think it was Joel Green, a scholar, you know, sometimes people, when we get confused, we just kind of go away from what God uh, has called us to do. Uh, I'll break it down a little further, hopefully. So they go, they go down this village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles. So they're leaving the place where they last saw Jesus because they're confused where Jesus is. Sometimes when we don't know where Jesus is, sometimes we just leave. And sometimes that's not the word because you know what's going to happen as Jesus appears to them. He's going to say, now I want everybody to go back into Jerusalem. I want you to stay in Jerusalem because there, it's there that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. But notice the break in the community. Notice the break of, uh, of, of, of discussion in the community. And now some of them are going back another way, going back to another place which is about seven miles from Jerusalem, verse 14, together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And they can't get it off their mind. Sometimes, God, when we don't have clarity, we just can't get, where are you, Jesus? Like, what's going on? So I want us to, today to look through the resurrection lens of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Because without the resurrection of Jesus, there's confusion. So the disciples are confused. They're going, is the resurrection real? Some of our group, these ladies went over there and they saw it. Other disciples went and testified exactly what they said. But I'm confused. See what happens without the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. Listen, if you're looking for direction in your life, if you don't go through the lens of Jesus, you ain't going to know nothing. Forgive my English. But you're not going to know anything. Because without the resurrection, if Jesus is nothing but a historical figure, then what do we have? There's a lot of historical figures. But I don't want to follow an historical figure. I want to follow God. Are y'all awake this morning? You need some donuts. 
And while they were discussing and arguing, you see, here is where my heart began to to wrap my mind around this. The Holy Spirit opened it up to me. It's like John went out the clarity of the resurrection. There's nothing going to be left but confusion. So when people discuss and they don't know what to do and they don't know what ideas are right, they begin to argue. As Ravi Zacharias said, people are equal, ideas are not. Hitler's idea is not equal to the idea of Christ and his love. So when I'm discussing with people, they're of equal value. People are of all equal value, but ideas are not equal value. And so there, because there was no authority, so they thought, they began to argue. That word argue is to examine, it means this in the original language in Greek, it means to examine together that leads to a dispute. In other words, we begin talking about an idea, we can't see eye to eye on the idea, so we begin to dispute because my emotions get involved because I don't understand where you're coming from. Or maybe that person didn't understand where I was coming from, so hence there is an argument. There's confusion. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there is confusion. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus came near and began to walk among them. And the Holy Spirit just immediately, as soon as I read this, he's like, John, here's what's amazing. Though you don't know, though you might be confused, God is not. God is not confused. He is not confused about any situation that's coming, any situation in your past, any situation around us. He is not confused. And I love my God because when people take a swing at the bride, mm -hmm, they, they take a swing at him. I was watching an interview of Bill Mayer. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, when I first hear Bill Mayer's arrogance, y'all know what I'm talking about? The guy that, like, I was watching on YouTube. I mean, I don't have HBO, but, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, he's on there, right? And he's just an arrogant, arrogant, arrogant atheist, which he should be because he doesn't believe in the Lord. So he ought to be prideful in himself because there's nobody else to have pride in, right? So, and, I was, and he was, and he was, uh, discussing with a, a born-again believer, and he was talking about how the Bible, the Old Testament, was jacked up. I mean, I'm not going to use, obviously, his language, because he has no filter, because he has no God. And so, and the guy that's a Christian is sitting there, kind of responding to him, and saying, no, this is what Jesus said. And so he was so, so confused. He was so confused, he said, oh, I, I get it now. I get it. So Jesus had to come to tell his father that he jacked it all up. And the guy's like trying to relate. No, 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 that's not, that's not. It is like, obviously he couldn't get it because he's blinded by the God of this age, the little G, talking about Satan. See, here's what happens. When people look at Scripture, they don't understand. Without God opening it up, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. It doesn't understand. But here's what happens sometimes as believers. When we look at situations and we're not trusting in the Spirit of God, we get confused. It's easy to look around and say, God, what are you doing? And here is a strange, or it might appear to be strange, statement. So verse 15, Jesus came near and began to walk along with them. It was so comforting to me that here in the midst of their confusion, there Jesus is. Though they don't recognize him, he's still there. Verse 16, now here's where it becomes, if I can use the word strange, but they were prevented from recognizing him. I read that and I went, what? Like, I don't understand, Lord. 
they're confused. They're arguing. Like, I've been there. Like, God, I'm, I, I'm arguing. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Get an argument with my wife. What do I do? Where do I go? What do I say? What do I do? How do I respond to this? What goes on here? What goes on there? I mean, think about it. They're arguing. They're arguing. And the Bible says that they were prevented from knowing that Jesus was walking right with them. And I was mad. I said, God, how can you? Why are you? For what good are you? Like, why are you doing this, Lord? Why would you veil your divinity so they would stay in a place of confusion? And then the Spirit nudged me and said, John, keep reading. I said, okay, so let's keep reading. So I don't have an answer yet, but it's coming. Verse 17. Then he, meaning Jesus, asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? Okay, so let me get this straight. Jesus, you're standing there. Yep. Jesus, you have veiled your resurrection divinity. Yep. Jesus, who is all-knowing, is now asking them why they're disputing, though he knows why they're disputing, because it's about him, who is, he is really God, but he has chosen not to show them that he is the risen God, and therefore he's asking them more questions about the dispute. Yes. And then, the Lord shows us something powerful. What is this dispute that you are having with each other as you are walking? And look what the Holy Word of God says. And they stopped walking. And I can relate. Have you ever been just to the point you're just like walking with... Come on, I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. You are walking with the Lord and God leads you to a situation that you just don't understand. And all of a sudden you just stop walking. Okay, it's coming. All right, so, I've been there. Like, Lord, that's it, I'm I'm stopped. And I've got this visual in my mind. I have this visual of these two disciples going right to a Disney Channel statement. And they look at Jesus after he asked them a question to them seems absolutely absurd. And they look at him, and in Disney International Version, they say, Hannah Montana, say what? But that's not really what they say. And they stopped walking. I mean, in utter shock. Gee, what? Who are you? Are you out of your mind? Like, where did this, where did you come? Go back to Jerusalem, bro. Get out of here. They stopped walking, and the Bible says they looked what? Come on, somebody. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't hear you. They looked what? Okay, so let me just cut to the chase. The reason why Jesus did not, the reason why Jesus prevented himself from answering their dispute was to get to the real heart of the issue, which is their discouragement. Sometimes God doesn't answer our questions because that's not really the question. They were arguing to each other why and what is going on, but the real issue in their heart was they were broken. And sometimes God takes us to a place 
where we look at circumstances and we go, I don't understand, and we get to the point that we quit asking why about the circumstance and we start talking to God about us. We get real with the Father. God, I'm disturbed. Okay, these people, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't this, I don't understand. But we get to the point it was discouraged. I mean, just utter discouragement. That is what was going on in their lives. That's what happened. In other words, even when we feel like emotions are ruling, Jesus still is. At the root, they were dealing with discouragement. It wasn't just, are you right? Are you right? At the root of the matter, they were just dealing with discouragement. They were dealing with the brokenness. And that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants to get to the depth of our soul so he can be the king of our soul. He wants to be the point where, so whatever we get to, the circumstances don't rule us. In other words, what I mean by that, the circumstances, whatever happens, does not rule the emotions inside us, though we might grieve, though we might feel pain, though we might hurt, they don't end without hope. Because there's a God who's bigger than that. So if God can work in me, then he can work in the circumstances around me. But so many times, John Davis's attitude is determined by what's around me instead of what's inside me. Or should I say, who is inside me? So the answer is why he prevented himself from showing who he is is so that they, the real heart of the issue would be exposed. Sometimes God doesn't show himself to us so the real issue can be exposed, which is inside of us. See, God can fix the problem around us, but what he really, really wants to do is fix the problem within us. Come on, somebody. See, Jesus meets us in our confusion so we can begin to proclaim Hebrews 13.5. And I love, I'm going to use the whole verse. Most people only quote the last part of the verse, but I like the whole verse because he says, keep your lives free from the love of what? Money. And be content with what you have. Now, he didn't say stay where you are. He said, in other words, you're content because your satisfaction is in Christ, not in what you can have. Because God said, and look at what the verse says, never will I what? And never will I what? Yeah, so the idea that word forsake, the, listen, the Greek word for forsake, and I want you to get this, the Greek word for forsake is to leave us in a condition of lack. It's to leave us in a condition without. And God is saying, I will never forsake you. That is a verse, that is a promise from God that every one of us, regardless of what we're in, going through, or going to come to, we can always say this, that God will never leave us in a place of lack. We will never lack the presence of God within us to transform the circumstances around us. We will never lack. And so when we have believers that are absolutely committed to following Jesus Christ, regardless of what happens, we see beauty and change. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch a Christian funeral. It's amazing to watch a Christian wedding. It's amazing to watch a Christian successful businessman. It's amazing to watch a Christian relationship. Why? Because everything that happens always screams hope. And the world looks and says, 
Y'all are confused. And Christians look and say, no, we have the answer to everything. It is within that. We are not left helpless. The word there, forsake, means to feel, for, uh, to feel helpless. We are not helpless. We are not without a God who won't bring clarity. He will, if when you look at life through the lens of the resurrection, He will always bring clarity. He will always bring clarity. But there will be times, I'm telling you somebody, with the resurrection, there will be times, this was a test of the heart. Listen, I was reading this week, I was reading Friday morning, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 32. So let me just, let, let me let you into my personal walk with Jesus. Let me get real personal. So I'm, I'm walking, I'm, I'm in this personal uh, walk with the Lord, and, and I, I read Scripture, and sometimes I forget when I read Scripture, God wants me to, God wants to speak to me through that Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just, God, I'm reading Scripture to appease you. God is saying, no, John, you're reading Scripture so I can speak to you. Uh-huh. Second Chronicles 32, 30-31. See, Jesus' appearance of ignorance is really a test that will bring clarity. Jesus' appearance of asking us questions, Jesus' appearance of, of, of as if he's not around us, is really a, a test that will bring clarity. It will explain redemption in the heart of transformation. If you read the rest of the narrative, that's what's going to happen. Second Chronicles 32, 30-31. Check this out. So I'm reading this passage. It's talking about King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah has been dealing with this battle with the Assyrians, Later on, he's, he's going to do some things that's not right. It says in verse 30, it was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. And look what it says here. There's a sentence that just, like, I want, like, I, I don't know if you want this, but I want this. He said, he succeeded in everything he what? Like, do you not want that? I do. He succeeded. But listen, what I've noticed with the Lord, the more time, oh, I'm speaking to somebody right now, the more times that God gives you success, sometimes the bigger test of him is coming next. Sometimes when God gives you something that's really good and you you, you experience the power of God, sometimes there's a bigger test of God coming. So, verse 31, but when envoys were sent by rulers of Babylon, ask him about the miraculous sign that occurred in the land. Like he, he was sick and, and God gave him this miraculous sign that he was going to be healed. And So there, there's envoys and all this power the things that God had done for him. But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that occurred in the land then we have this strange statement. God left him come on somebody God Left him to what? Uh Uh-huh. God left him to test him. And look what it says. And to know everything that was in what? Now, when I say God left him, let me understand the context of Scripture. Because of Jesus Christ, we are promised the permanence of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go because Jesus Christ had not yet come. You read the Gospel of John, explain everything. So my point is this, is that sometimes God seems to veil where he is 
around us so that there's a test of who he is within us. That was really good. You can tweet it later. One of my point is, is this, is that sometimes the things are veiled because God is testing our heart. So Friday, I'm with a couple people. And we're, we're in this room, and they're talking about these people, and they're talking about great things. And I'm going to tell you what, man, my, I was just like, you want to talk about an evil heart? John Davis got an evil heart, and it was exposed Thursday. It was exposed Friday. Exposed. So I'm just going to confess right now. I'm just going to confess because it says confession, right? Confess your sins and one not. So let me tell you about my heart. So somebody was up there. And they were talking, and they were talking to people, and they said, and they pointed to this other person, and they said, yep, this person, this person sitting over there, led this other person to the Lord. Let me, bu- let me bust the move. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, MC Hammer. Uh, well, I actually wasn't MC Hammer, but it was a guy in that same era. Let me just say this. The person who said that person led this other person to the Lord, that wasn't true. And how do I know that? Because the evilness in my heart immediately said, now check, that, check out the evil in my heart. I was the one who led that person to the Lord. You mean this person standing up in front of all these people, suppose we got all that money, and they're telling all them people that that person let this other person to the Lord, I'm the one to let him to the Lord. Now, now, notice the evil in my heart because the focus is on I. And as soon as I thought that, the Spirit of God was like, John, first of all, you don't lead anybody to the Lord. I lead people to me. It's the Holy Spirit who draws people. I can't save any. There are no words that I can say that will bring you to Jesus Christ. There's none. Oh, you said, but John, you can preach. No, no, no. Listen, preaching is dead without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all done been up in some places where people preach, and you were asleep five minutes into it. If you were asleep five minutes in mind to it, you in sin, not me. I'm just kidding. But it's a sin to be born. Some people, some people think they were called. It was really heartburn. They had a burn, but it wasn't Jesus. And so my heart was, I I was mad. I was mad. I was mad. I was like, man, how that, and and what made me more than mad, I was like, then the other person just sat there. I'm like, stand up and say something, bro. Like, just confess. Nah, man, it wasn't wasn't me. Like, don't take the owner. And so, I'm telling you, I was just evil. Just evil. Just, that's evil. Because here's what I'm trying to do. Here's why it's evil. Because I'm trying to take credit that it's only deserving of God. So what happens is, God will test you. And that was a test. That's a test to see what's really in my heart. Am I going to trust that if God knows that he used me to do something that only really he did, if God is okay, if, if only God knows, am I okay with it? Let me bust it in your world. If, if you and God are the only one who knows you, what you're really doing, and somebody else is getting the credit, are you okay with it? Oh, I'm going to get personal. How about at your job? You know that worker that backstabs the boss? Oh, oh by the way, the one that backstabs you behind your back because they're not a believer? Are you okay if they get credit for something they didn't do that you did? Are you okay with it? 
if only God knows. See, this is where, this is where like the Lord is testing us in this, to know what's in our heart. Because if my joy's in the Lord, and I can say, God, really, you're the one who worked in me, and you're the one that made it happen, then I'm okay with it. See, there, there was dissension even among disciples at the time during Christ. Sometimes they would come to Christ, and they would say, hey, listen, those people are over there, they're like baptizing in your name, Jesus. Like, they're not with us, and they're over baptizing in your name, and Jesus gets the big picture, obviously, and he says, hey, listen, those who are not against us are for us. Sometimes all that matters is only if God knows. And God will ask us and lead us to a place sometimes, I believe in my heart, that if only he knows, are we okay with it? If only he knows, are we going to be fine with it? If only he knows, are we still going to burn with joy that God gets all the glory and not us? So when you have some success, there might come a test. But it's only so that God can bring clarity for the next step. So let's look at the next one. Listen, let's look at the next point. Living through the resurrection of Jesus means we have redemption. Let's keep going. Verse 18. The one named Cleopas answered to him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know these things that happened there in these days? What things? And he asked them, meaning Jesus asked them. So they said to him. So they're beginning to explain. Jesus is asking them questions, getting to the heart. Check this out. The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet. Notice they didn't say Lord. Prophet, powerful in action, and speech before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And so now, here comes the heart of the issue. Here comes what the resurrection can do. Here comes the main point of number two. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to what, saints? That's it. Living through the resurrection. Listen, living through the resurrection of Jesus means that we have redemption. They were hoping that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Guess what? He did redeem Israel. If you read in Romans, we are grafted in. We are the church. We are in the essence of in the new Israel in that sense. Let me just say this as a, as a point that we have been redeemed. And the reason why the word redemption doesn't mean anything is maybe because John doesn't personally understand what the word redemption means. Here is what I want to get to in redemption. Redeem means this. Let me give you the definition. It means deliverance. Deliverance from bondage. We thought that Jesus was going to deliver us from bondage. And yet, in the foreshadowing in Exodus chapter 6, as the Israelites were taken out of Egypt, and when they were redeemed by the blood, when they were redeemed by the blood of a lamb, as the angel came through the destroying angel, and the firstborn was being destroyed, and as they were redeemed, they were brought out and bought by the blood as a foreshadowing of Jesus. And they left, they left Egypt with, as they, and they plundered the Egyptian. Here's what's interesting, that they have been delivered from bondage. Here's what's great. Living through the resurrection means that nobody in this room who is born again can ever stay in bondage. And that's the beauty of the Lord. He can never stay in bondage. We have been set free. The resurrection has bought us redemption. We are 
free. There is no bondage. You say, but John, I still sin. Here's the difference. Let me put it to you this way. Let me make something real simple. If I had a problem using foul language before Christ, which I did, and so after Christ, are there times that I've used foul language? Yes. The different, then what's the difference, John? You used, him before, used it before Christ, and you've used it after Christ, so what's the difference? Here's the difference of being set free. Before, I had no control. Now, it doesn't control me. When it happens, there's conviction, and God's like, that's not, that's not my language. See, there's the ability of the chains that are broken. We've been set free. That's redemption. Living through the resurrection means we have been set free. And that's the beauty of Christ. Death, we've been set free. Destruction, we've been set free. Hurt, we've been set free. Tears, we've been set free. Oh, the Bible writes it like this. There might be sorrow in the night, but joy, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll just go over here and look at myself. But joy comes in the morning because when God's in control, I don't have to let anybody else. And so let me just say to y'all, and you're young, y'all get in love, you just can't see straight. I'm in love, I'm in love, L. I'm in love. You know, you just lose your mind. Because you felt things you've never felt before. But here's what I noticed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get real personal. Come on. Some of y'all like starting to flow. We're starting to get a little Babacostal. I'm feeling good about it, man. We got to get a little loose up in here. Y'all real stiff. All right, so here's what I'm trying to say. When, when, I, when I've been touched by Jesus Christ, I have never felt love like that in the depth of my soul. So when the love of my wife touches me, mm, let me just go there, she don't touch me like Jesus touches me. Therefore, her love don't make me crazy. Only God's love makes me. Mm, mm -hmm. You see what I'm trying to say? When you don't have Jesus, the deepest love you can ever feel is what you feel about somebody else. That's why parents, they lose their minds. But when you've been touched by Jesus Christ, there's no love that can touch you as deep as him. Therefore, that love of a spouse or somebody else cannot rule you like the love of Jesus. Because he has opened up a depth in us that we've never been able to see before. That's being redeemed. There is control and power and strength in the blood of Jesus Christ. The men, listen, the, I love what Joel Green says. The empty tomb is difficult to fathom. But let me tell you what, I don't have to fathom all the fullness of the resurrection. I just have to trust the one who was resurrected and is resurrected and is coming back to resurrect us. So that's all my job is to do. It's just to be in love with Jesus and God will take care of everything else. Because when your eyes look at life through the lens of the resurrection, because when you walk in redemption, nobody can put you in bondage where God has set you in freedom. So he set us free. You want to know why? Because Matthew 5, 48. I use a little Piper S on the scripture. I think it's Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect. Be perfect. Therefore, as who is perfect? Your Heavenly Father. There is a demand on us. As John Piper would say, we cannot meet. We cannot meet perfection. 
There is nobody that has ever lived that has met perfection. If you were to ask Mother Teresa, if you were to say to her, have you met perfection? She would tell you absolutely not. Because you see what happens, the greatest critics of our lives are not the people on the outside. The greatest critics of our lives are the people that are living it on the inside. We are our greatest critics, and we know that the world might see a highlight reel, but we see what's really real. We see ourselves for who we really are. We know our thoughts that might not have led to an action. We know what could have happened if we would have gone a certain way. We know that it's only by the grace of God that we're even alive. You see, there is a demand upon us that we cannot meet. Robbie, come on out here and play over me, man, because I just feel this stuff. Listen, here's the idea behind this. There is a demand that we cannot meet. There's no way to be perfect. On the teaching uh, with there, it's a didactic passage on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He is saying there at the end of chapter 5 that perfection is the only standard. The only standard. And we can't meet it. There's a demand that you can't meet. And I am looking at my sons. You cannot meet it. And I promise you I can't for you. Because I can't even do it for myself. And there's a burden we cannot bear. Galatians 3.13. Piper said that. I'll just repeat it. Christ, uh, Christ has redeemed us from the what, saints? There's a there is a demand, perfection we cannot meet, and a burden we cannot bear. There is a curse that comes with sin. If I sin in my relationship with Robbie, and I allow the sin in my heart to, to say something mean, or something angry, or to talk about him, and it gets back to him, if I were to sin in my life, and not address that sin our relationship would be broken cursed everybody tracking me and that's why relationships fail the reason why relationships fail is because they don't want to deal with the sin problem they want to argue over who's right and in the end there's only one person that's right and his name is Jesus so there's a demand that we cannot meet and there's a burden we cannot bear Christ has redeemed us from the curse he paid the price of bondage that curse brings Genesis 3 clearly states that when sin entered the world so did the curse in fact the curse and I want to speak to some of y'all in singleness room I just want to say this the curse is so thick that it even said, he, God even said to the woman, but you will desire to rule over him. There was in the curse enmity and strife built in. And that's why relationships have trouble. Because there's only one who can hold all things together. Colossians 1, 17. In Jesus, in him, he holds all things together, Scripture says. 
demand we cannot meet and a burden we cannot bear. But look what Christ did. One of the most beautiful passages. I would agree with Christ on that. One of the most beautiful. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And he explains what the, how he did it. He doesn't leave you hanging to guess what that looks like. Because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is what, saints? So Jesus took our burden. He took our bondage. And he went to that cross. He took the strife that caused the two people to walk away from the community and going back to Emmaus. There was, there was division within the disciples because there was confusion within the disciples because they were not looking at life and circumstances through the lens of the resurrection. But because Christ redeemed and paid our price, because he did for us what we could not do for ourselves, therefore we get his perfection. It is called righteousness. So everyone in this room, I want you to walk out of here today with your heads held high and a beat in your step. Because you and I, when we sin, there is no condemnation because the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed to us. Thereby, God doesn't see our unrighteousness. He only sees Jesus' righteousness. And by the way, since we have his righteousness, we also have his blessing because there is no curse for us. God is not angry with you when you sin. He is not mad with you when you sin. He is not going to be dejected with you when you sin. He is not going to throw you away when you sin. God is not done with you, so stop being done with him. Thank you. Demand we couldn't meet, burden we couldn't bear, Christ did. And now's the opportunity for us to respond through the lens of the resurrection. The reason why Robbie and I were talking Friday, and Robbie said, John, we were talking about we were talking about the time of we just enter into the presence of the Lord and just kind of talk to the Lord, you know, where people come forward and pray. And, it, and, it, and, and it, I, I hear this sometimes. People said this, okay? Why the same people go down front? You know the attitude, you like my attitude with that? Kind of angry. What I'm thinking is, why ain't you down front? But I didn't say that. This time is not like what you, some of you in this room that grew up in a church gathering, it's not like what it used to be where people come and say, man, I want to get saved, or man, I want to rededicate my life, or I want to join the church. That's, that's, not, that's not how we flow. That's not what this is about. Though I'm not saying that people can't come forward and say, hey, man, I give my life to Christ, or, you know, I, I, need, I need to recommit my life. I've drifted away. I'm not saying those things, because you can do that in your seat, you can do that in your home, you can do that driving your car, just keep your eyes open, people. But this time is really so holy for us to spend time with the Lord in the presence of the Lord 
and humble ourselves in front of God because I know this about the Lord in my walk as a pastor and he's been wanting me to communicate this that if you'll humble yourself in front of the Lord he will exalt you in due time come on first Peter hey, listen I, I'm going to tell you but God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble James 4 I mean I just know that where there's humility there's always grace and sometimes we just need to spend time with him sometimes we're walking and carrying around this curse and thinking that we're cursed and this relationships are cursed and this is bondage around and God has set us free and sometimes it's just an opportunity to walk in and say God I'm just going to sit in your freedom and I'm going to start trusting your freedom I'm going to let people start praying me over freedom because God if I start acting like this here maybe I'll start living like it out there so this time is really for the body of Christ to really enter into the Lord Sometimes we're like, I just got to make this relationship right. I got to make this perfect. I got to make this job perfect. I got to sign this top recruit. I got to get this. Listen, there's only one who is perfect, Jesus. We do our best, but even our best is not even good. Because the Bible says no one is good except God alone. So today, you have a chance to enter into his so maybe it's a time when you come and say, God, I just want, I'm going to trust you because of your perfection and because you've already carried that burden. I'm just going to trust you in this relationship. I'm going to trust you in this circumstance. I'm going to trust you in this job. I'm going to trust you in this next step. I'm going to trust you. Though I'm not sure, I know, God, that you are sure. Though I might not have clarity, it doesn't mean I don't have your presence. Though I don't know what's all going on, God, help me to see through the lens of the resurrection that you can redeem anything, that you have set everything, you've set everything in my life free. Nothing can bring bondage on me. Nothing can be hold, hold on top of me. Nothing can hold me down, Lord. Only the presence of Jesus is what envelops me. As Reverend Samuel Rodriguez said, if heaven started it, hell can't stop it. what God starts in us today, the gates of hell will not prevail against. What do you need to just surrender to the Lord today? That the resurrection can bring life to it. For you, maybe it's just as a believer you need to say, God, I've got to trust you in this area. Why not just come and submit? Say, Lord, here it is. Help me see through the resurrection. There's no more curse. There's no more bondage. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. Perfection is not the standard for me because I can't meet it. Jesus has already met it. So therefore, I, ha I can live a bold life for you, not worry about failing because my failures won't be counted against me, but only the blood of Jesus given to me. Wherever you are today, let God meet that need according to his riches and glory. Father, that is my prayer today. Lord, I don't know who needs to come and just sit at your feet and just say, Lord, listen, there's, I feel like there's some bondage over me. I feel like there's some bondage, and Lord, I'm just asking for you to deliver me in that process. You promised me that you would. You promised you wouldn't forsake me. I don't know the next step. I don't know what's going on in this relationship. I don't understand why this person's upset with me. I don't even know how to fix this, but God, I come to the one who can fix anything. I come to the one who has set me free. 
So, Lord, I pray today that you would give us clarity. That you give us clarity knowing that you are still there regardless of what happens. And that you, though our eyes might be prevented right now from seeing where you are or feeling your presence, though we don't feel you, though we don't see you, it doesn't mean that you're not there. Because you promise, Lord, that you will never leave us without. You will never forsake us. You will not leave us helpless. Here we are. So we rest in you today. And Lord, if there's someone in this room who's never surrendered their life to Jesus, my prayer is that they would see you and surrender. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.